but I'm going to let you sit down for right now at least. If you will turn with me, this is going to be a hard one. Don't you like when the scriptures are going to be difficult? If you'll turn with me to Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. Um, hopefully we can find that for you sword drill champions. Genesis 1 and 1. And we're going to get in the word of God. It says this, and this is the one, if you've ever done a Bible reading plan, you have succeeded in this part. It might have got bogged down in Leviticus, and it might have gotten bogged down over 150 Psalms, but you got this one, um, Genesis 1 and 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. With the help of the Holy Ghost tonight, I want to preach from this title, the masterpiece of imperfection. The masterpiece of imperfection. Um, I know this might come as a shock to all of you, but I am not perfect. I have realized that as I've gotten older, um, but I am not perfect. I'm not the perfect spouse I am not perfect at my job. I make mistakes all the time. I'm just not perfect. It amazes me, and maybe some of y'all have experienced this as well, but it amazes me how much stupider I have gotten since I was about 17. I was a lot smarter back then. When I was a teenager, I never made a mistake. When I was a teenager, I was smarter than my parents ever thought about being. I knew how to do everybody's job for them. They should have tested me to be a genius. I probably just would have checked out in all the areas. But would you believe that somewhere in my early 20s, this is a real-life tragedy, y'all. This, this happened somewhere in my early 20s. My parents got smarter than me again. And since then, I have just gotten dumber and dumber. The further I get from my teens, the dumber I seem to get. And the more stuff I realize that I just don't know. I don't know how to do everybody's job for them anymore. Some days I think I don't even know how to do my own job. <laughs> I, I just don't know everything like I used to. I am many things, but perfect is not one. I know we've got a bunch of people like this that go to Sanctuary Church, and I'm thankful for you if this is going to be you. Um, we literally would not have this beautiful building that we are in if not for people like you. But all y'all super manly, fix-it kind of guys, I just want you to know that you make me a little bit sick. 
because I cannot do what you do. Do you know how frustrating it is if you are not that, if you are the opposite of that like I am, and you have a dad like I have that can just think of something and build it or look at a problem and just fix anything. Some of you are lucky because you married what they call a handyman. Whatever that is, I am the exact opposite of that. you got to pray for Lauren because I have never in my whole life met a screw that I could not strip. It is, that is just how it is. Lauren and I'll get something from Ikea for the house and, and I'll look at those directions and it might as well, you know, you're turning it all kinds of different ways. It might as well have been written in Arabic for, for all I'm I'm concerned. I'll never figure it out. And eventually, Lauren will get frustrated and say, Dummy, just give me the drill, and in 30 minutes, we'll have a bookcase. (laughs) I am not perfect. Yet, in spite of my many obvious imperfections at times, I am a bit, and they're not the same thing, but I'm a bit of a perfectionist about some things. At school as band directors, Joseph, my brother, and I are always trying to to be in the pursuit with the kids that we teach of the perfect performance. Even that has its drawbacks, though. We'll be teaching and getting ready for a concert, and I'll be working with the students as, as hard as I can, trying to prepare them and get them ready, and I'll get so caught up in trying to make everything perfect, that I forget to tell my students how awesome their progress is along the way. Even in trying to be perfect, I am not perfect. Joseph, this is a weird dynamic, but Joseph is my mentor teacher. This is going to be my third year teaching, and as a new teacher, they pair you with an older teacher, and and he teaches band in the same classroom that I, I am, and he's taught for a long time. So they said, this is going to be fun your brother is going to be your teaching mentor, uh, which has turned out great. But he'll come to me after class sometimes and say, how do you think the band played today after I did a rehearsal or something? And, and I'll say, I think we had a, had a great rehearsal today. They, they played wonderful. They're, they're doing good. We're going to be ready for the concert. And he says, well, you ought to consider telling them that sometime. <laughs> Because all I heard was fix this and fix that, and these sections need to improve. Clinton, you've got to let them know when they sound good. You've got to let them know when they're making progress. Even being a perfectionist, I find that I am so far from perfect. And even though I struggle with this, I find that God, as we read the Bible, is not like me. God is not like me even a little bit. From the beginning of the Bible, I can clearly see that God is so much different than I am. Starting from our scripture that we read in Genesis, we read, The earth was without form and void. The darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light. 
Now let me pause right here and just say, just to say, that I am thankful that God didn't stop doing this just with creation, but that He has been faithful to do that very same thing in you and in me. Aren't you thankful that when your life was full of darkness, and when you didn't know which way to turn, and when you were void and empty inside, and when you knew you didn't have all the answers, and when you You couldn't have fixed it for yourself. And you were lost in the darkness of sin. That the Spirit of God moved upon you. And in the middle of your mess. And in the middle of your mistakes. In the middle of where you are. God said let there be light in your life. I am grateful that God brought light into my darkness. Not just in creation but in salvation. We were once sinners but now we have the privilege of being saints. We were once broken but now we're whole. We were once lost but now we're found. Amazing grace the song says. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. God said, let there be light. And then he divided the light from the darkness. This is such a powerful shadow of what happens in the Christian Christian life. God says... Let there be light. The Spirit of God moves upon us. We repent. We get baptized in Jesus' name. We receive the Holy Ghost. And for the very first time, there is light in our darkness. There is light in our lives. But what does God do then? He begins dividing the light from the darkness. Salvation is great. Salvation is awesome. Salvation is incredible. But salvation is the starting point in your walk with God, but not the finish line. It was incredible that God created light, but just as important was the fact that He separated the light from the darkness. When God saves us, He always begins to separate us. When God saves us, He's going to separate us. That's that's why we pursue holiness. That's what holy means. It means separate, to be set apart. When God saves us and puts a light in us, we begin to separate from the things of this world and, and, and things get divided and the Word divides us from some things that we might have done before so that we, not so we can just be separate, but so that we can draw further away from the world and draw ourselves closer to God. Closer to God. That's that's what it's for. And that's why when you see somebody get saved, all of a sudden they're not doing all of the same things that they did before. And they're not going to some of the same places. And they, and they talk different. And they, and they maybe dress different. And they do some different things. It's because God is separating them and dividing them from some things in their life. We don't want anything in this world coming and pushing us away from God. We don't want anything coming in and putting out that light that he has put in us. We see this illustrated in the Old Old Testament in a great way, in my opinion. The temple gets destroyed. Solomon's temple is destroyed. In the book of Ezra, we read about how that temple is rebuilt. 
But as soon as the temple is built, what happens other than a man named Nehemiah comes along and starts rebuilding the wall? He says, it's great that we got the temple. The temple is awesome. It's great that we've got God back in our midst. That's the most important thing. But now we have got to protect what God has done in us. That's what the wall is for. He says, I don't want anything and anybody coming along and messing up this beautiful temple that we have spent so much work trying to rebuild. The Bible says while Nehemiah is working on the wall, some of the enemies of the Jews come along and mock what they're doing. They mock them for trying to rebuild the wall. And can I just say tonight that the enemy will always mock your walls. The enemy will always mock your walls. The enemy will always mock holiness and always has. The enemy will always mock the Christian lifestyle and always has and always will. I've seen it time and time again. Somebody gets baptized and maybe they receive the Holy Ghost. And and anymore, that's not even such a big deal. People can, not in all cases, but in many cases, not, not see too much blowback for that in the society that we live in. And they get the Holy Ghost, they get baptized, and that's fine. But you start trying to live holy. And you start trying to divide some things. And not, not cast stones at other people, but just divide yourself from things. And start trying to live a Christian lifestyle and, and live for God. And all of a sudden it seems like every devil in hell comes along to fight you and mock you. And people will come out of the woodwork and start saying, why are you doing that? Didn't have anything to say before, but don't want you living for God. They don't want any walls up around what you've done. What do you mean you don't wear that anymore? What do you mean you don't do that anymore? What do you mean you don't go see that anymore? What do you mean by that? But you've seen this, and and some of you have experienced this. Many of you, I would say, have experienced this. Well, why is that? Why is it? The devil doesn't much care if you rebuild the temple and get right with God again so long as you don't protect it. He doesn't care if we come to church and make it right at an altar, if he can just come right back in and destroy it and knock it down when we go out on Monday. It doesn't do us much good. It's, it's hype and euphoria for a moment, but it's not lasting but we don't need to buckle under this pressure. We need to do what Nehemiah did. It's, this is incredible to me. He's mocked, and the Jews are mocked for trying to rebuild this wall. And they asked Nehemiah to come down and meet with them at Ono. By the way, if someone says, come down and meet with me at Ono, and it's called Ono, come on now. That's a clue. <laughs> But they say, come down and meet with me. And Nehemiah says this. Now, the wall is not finished at this point. It's, it's not got gaps in it, but they don't have the gates on yet. But Nehemiah says this. He says, I cannot come down because I am doing a great work. Now, that sounds like something that somebody building the temple would say. You know, that sounds like you're saying a great work. That's, that's temple work. But Nehemiah says this wall that I'm building is great work 
Folks, don't let anybody fool you. Protecting what God has done in your life is great work. Holiness is great work. Consecration is a great work. And when the world tries to pull you away from the things that God has called you to, we need to remind the devil and sometimes even remind ourselves that I can't do that because I am doing a great work for God and God is doing a great work in me and I cannot come down. I'm not missing this prayer meeting. I'm not skipping out on my tithes and offering. I'm not listening to that music anymore. I'm not going to those places anymore. I'm not watching that TV show or movie or, or, or thing on the internet anymore. I'm not going to that website. I'm not using that language anymore because I am doing a great work. Salvation is a great work and we ought to always celebrate the great work of salvation and we do. But just as much as we celebrate salvation, we ought to lift up the great work of building this wall and consecrating our lives and protecting what God has done for us so that we can not just live for God for a moment but have a walk with God that will lead us into eternity. I'm not going to allow anything to destroy what God has done in me. I'm going to allow God to divide that light from the darkness in my life. The Spirit of God moves on the water. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. But even before... Even before he separates the light from the darkness, God says something so, so unlike anything that I would ever say. He sees the light. He says, let there be light. He sees it, and he thinks it is good. What's that about? The perfectionist in me hates this because... It's not done. What do you mean it's good, God? It's just the first day. You're not done yet. It's not perfect yet. You hadn't made any animals. You haven't made any people. You hadn't made the moons and you haven't made the earth and you haven't made all the other stuff. It looks to me like you've still got a lot of work to do. You've got six days left but God looks at creation on the first day after his first thing that he does and says it is good. He doesn't say it's done but he says it's good. And I am so thankful on a Wednesday night in my imperfection that we serve a God that celebrates progress. God recognizes the masterpiece and beauty of creation even before its completion. Some people come into the church and they think God could never, ever, ever love me. And God could never, ever, ever, ever be proud of me. And, and God would never look at me and say anything in my life is good. We make a mistake. We go, we go out in the world and we make a mistake and we come to, to church and our hands are so heavy. 
Some of you have felt it. And if you live for God long enough and you haven't yet, you will because eventually you're going to make a mistake. You're going to show that you're a little like me and not be perfect. And you're going to come into the house of God and, and where once you lifted your hands in praise, your hands will be heavy. And you're going to feel like there is nothing good about me. There is nothing that I can lift my hands for, not because God isn't good, but I don't even want him to notice me. Have you ever been there? You come into church and you just feel like that you should have done better than you did, and maybe you should have or shouldn't have, but you come in and you feel that guilt and you feel that shame and you feel that condemnation, and it doesn't even have to be, it doesn't have to be from any other person. Because we do a good enough job of this on our own most of the time. And we feel that. And, and we say, I've got flaws. I've, I've messed up and I've made mistakes. And I can't worship today because of that. But as soon as we lift our hands or lift our voice to God, He sees you. And He doesn't say, that's a hypocrite. But He says, that's my son and that's my daughter. And they are coming home. That's the, that's the experience of the prodigal son. No, the, the, his father, as great as he was, his father didn't go to the pig pen and throw him in his pickup truck and say, you're coming with me. He didn't do that. But what he does do, and this is, this is what the Bible says, this is word for word, it says when the prodigal headed home, it says, when he was still yet a great way off. When the prodigal was coming home and he was still yet a great way off. He's not even back where he was before he left. He's still back in a place where he's not really supposed to be. But he's headed the right direction. Well, He was still yet a great way off. And his father sees him and his father runs to him. He wasn't home yet. He wasn't perfect yet. He was just on the road back. But here comes his father. And you don't have to be all the way back home before your heavenly father will run to you and celebrate with you for where you've come from and where you're headed. And I am thankful for a God that knows how to celebrate with me in my imperfection. God knows how far you've come. Even when we forget how far we've come, He remembers. When we struggle in our walk with God and it just feels like it's two steps forward one day, but then we take a step backward the next day. And we get frustrated and we get discouraged, but God doesn't see that as a failure. He sees it as what it is, progress. Progress. He sees how far you've come. He sees where you're headed. He sees the direction that you're going. And he says, no, they're not quite done yet. They're not quite perfect yet. But they are my masterpiece and I love them. We get so in-focused sometimes, I think, that we miss what God is doing in the moment. We measure our church services, and, and you've heard this. People comparing, and they say, well, how many people got the Holy Ghost today? And I think it's great, and we should celebrate that. 
But that's what we say. But that's what we say. I've said it. That's what we say. But God does this in an entirely different way. And this is Luke chapter 15 and 7. This blows my mind. Luke chapter 15 and 7. It says, I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that what? What do you mean? They're not saved. Not yet. He surely meant over one sinner that, that, that repents and gets baptized and gets the Holy Ghost and, and lives right and gets everything together. That's when, that's when the joy is, right? But God says there's joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repents. What do you mean by that? They're not cleaned up yet. They're not saved yet. Well, they don't have it all together. We still got issues and problems that's got to be worked out. There's struggles and, and messes to clean up. And God says, but they are on the right track. Give them time and give them grace. It is good. It is Good. I love them, and they are going to one day be my masterpiece. They're going to be another masterpiece of mercy. We ought to not ever get discouraged at an altar. I struggled with this when I was younger. I did. I would go pray at an altar, and I would have a specific thing in mind that I was praying for or that I wanted, and maybe this is some of you, and maybe it's not. But, but it, it was me, and I would pray, and I have something very specific. And, and whether that was seeking the Holy Ghost or whether it was this or that, I would have something in mind. And if I didn't get the answer that I wanted, or if I didn't feel like exactly what happened that I wanted, I would feel like a failure. I would have a great time in the altar, but then I would leave with my head down. And I would leave discouraged. And I would leave beaten but we ought not to ever leave the altar discouraged because any time you come to the altar and repent if you just repent Paul says I die daily but if we'll come to the altar and just start and get things right with God and repent we are bringing joy to heaven and joy to God and a smile to our father's face and we are bringing sorrow to hell every time you go to an altar God is proud of you every time you go to an altar God can say it is good because we are putting our lives into his hands and we're putting our situations into his hands yes I still have struggles yes we still have problems. Yes, we still make mistakes. Yes, we still have questions at times. And absolutely no, I am not perfect. And no, you're not perfect either. But we are on the potter's wheel. And you are in church on a Wednesday night because you love Jesus. 
and Jesus loves you and he is proud of you and his hand is on your life if for no other reason than you are here tonight and his hand is on the lives of your family and he cares about the situations you face and the things that you deal with day to day you are the apple of his eye and you are called and you're chosen and he is on your side Jesus loves you and I wish sometimes it's so easy to say why is this it's so easy to look at somebody and say Jesus loves you and so hard to point your finger at yourself and say Jesus loves me. But I wish tonight we could all take a finger and point it to our chest and say for heaven and hell and for us to hear Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me in spite of my faults and he loves me in spite of my imperfections and Jesus loves me when I make mistakes and Jesus loves me when I'm overwhelmed with situations that are out of my control. Jesus loves me. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, sure you may have messed up again this week. You thought you'd beaten that sin or issue. You thought you were done with that temptation or trial. But don't you dare hang your head low. Don't you dare let the devil tell you that you're worthless. Don't you dare let the devil tell you that God doesn't love you. Romans eight thirty-eight and 39. For I am persuaded... That neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present. And here's the one that I struggle with. Nor things to come. Not things that you see today and not things that you may see tomorrow. Nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You might have messed up. The devil might look at you tonight and rightly call you a sinner. Yet, if you lift your hands and if you listen closely at an altar as you repent to God, if you, if you turn your ear to heaven as you repent, you can hear all of heaven rejoicing. And you can hear the joy in heaven as one of their own as you come back home to the Father's house. Yes, I mess up. Yes, I'm a sinner at times. And yes, I do wrong things and, and get myself into messes at times. But, but when I repent, my Father rejoices. When I turn from that way, when I say I'm not going that way again, my Father rejoices if we can stand together musicians can come
we are all imperfect people. We all have our issues and struggles, our sins and our scars. But our value is not based on how good we are. But it's based on who is working on us. That's how art works. That's how art works. I might have a, a napkin or a paper towel as I do. And this, my friends, is what you call worthless. <laughs> Nobody is going to pay a dime for a paper towel that I've wiped my sweat on and wadded up and had on a pulpit. Nobody's paying anything for this. Pretty well worthless. But if I had this same paper towel, even this paper towel, and this, this isn't a canvas, this isn't anything like that, but if I had this same paper towel and the right artist had come along and put a picture or a doodle or a drawing on it. If the right person came along, this thing that is worthless, that, that's not, in its own, it, it's nothing. The value of it would be astronomical. An artist takes canvas and he takes color that is so mundane and so ordinary and he turns it into a masterpiece. It's not the canvas that gives value to the artist, but it's the artist that gives value to the canvas and you are valuable tonight because God is the one working on you and if you put your life in his hands you have unlimited value in his eyes you have unlimited potential you have unlimited hope and your story and your imperfections and your flaws and your struggles will one day all speak to the glory of your divine artist. Today's struggles will be tomorrow's testimony of God's unchanging and everlasting mercy and grace. I hope that tonight we can lift a hand and look at how far that we have come and look at where God has brought us from and think, no, I'm not perfect, but God is working a masterpiece of my imperfection. He is working a masterpiece of my messes. Oh, I wonder if we could all find us a place to pray tonight. If we could step out into the aisle and find us a place at the altar that we could come before God and say, Oh, I've messed up plenty of times. Maybe I've messed up today, but your grace is bigger than my mistake. You're, you can make a masterpiece out of everything wrong in my life. You can make a masterpiece of my imperfections oh Jesus we love you God and we need you today